So this morning, using the passage in the book of Acts, I want to talk about the idea of the fear of God. The fear of God. Misunderstood, and you don't hear about it much. Perhaps not communicated as well as it should be communicated and maybe not communicated at all. Yet for the Christian, it's life transforming. It transforms the way you live and it's not negotiable. It's something that must exist in your heart. What is it? What in the world is it to fear God? I mean, it almost sounds negative, bad, like where did I come to today? They're telling me to fear God, you know? What, what, what is this thing about fearing God? And yet when we come to understand what the Bible teaches about fear God, fearing God, we, we come to understand just how much it is life-giving and restoring for someone's life. In fact, it's the very opposite to what people assume initially. Whereas people might think it's life-stripping, it's actually life-giving. It's the fear of God. It's the thing that people from all generations, godly men and women from all generations and all the wonderful examples in the Bible we have, had. And it's certainly there, it was certainly there amongst the early church as well. So I want to use this passage to really kind of unpack a little bit about the fear of God and how this is so wonderfully tied in to the wisdom that God gives us in life and how beautifully linked up it is to this wisdom. So the passage we're going to read soon is from Acts 4. And uh, so if you can have your, have your Bibles ready to go, and we'll get to, that, we'll get to that in a moment. But I'm going to suggest this morning, and I want you to hear this very carefully. I want to suggest this morning that the reason we have, one of the real big reasons we have too much inconsistency in the church Listen carefully. Why we have still hypocrisy amongst believers. Worrying about what other people think and say. A whole lot of wrong ideas and behaviors. A casualness about sin and things that are wrong and harmful, I want to suggest that the reasons why we have all those things, one of the big reasons we have all those things still amongst the people of God is because they have lost the fear of God. So what does it mean? Inconsistency? One day strong, one day not strong. Casualness of sin, oh, it's not that bad. We live in the 21st century. Sort of being relaxed about things, hypocrisy, I'm one thing today, I'm a different thing to another group of people, I put on a mask today, they take it off to another group of people. That that exists in the church today because people don't have the fear of God. And if they did, you wouldn't see these things. You think, oh, that's a bold statement. I believe that. That if you had the fear of God, you would not see these things. You would not see hypocrisy. You would not see a casualness of sin. You would not see people uh, um, uh, hating on each other or manipulating with bitterness, trying to get the upper hand if they had the fear of God. So this is a very serious thing. Perhaps that's why it doesn't get spoken about much. The fear of God is life-transforming 
And it isn't negotiable for the Christian. When we walk in the footsteps of Jesus, you'll see how much this is so significant. In fact, it was so significant for the psalmist, listen carefully, it was so significant for the person who wrote Psalms that he made it his prayer. He said this, Teach me your way, O Lord, and I'll walk in your truth. Unite my heart to what? Fear your name. Teach me your way, O Lord, and I'll walk in your truth. And then he says something really remarkable in his prayer. He prays this, and I wonder when was the last time you prayed this prayer. He prayed this. He said, Lord, unite my heart to fear your name. What a, what a strange prayer. Lord, fuse my heart, glue my heart, stitch my heart, that it's inseparable, that everything I do, say, think in my life is driven by the fear of God. Unite my heart, Lord, to fear your name. Do you understand how significant that prayer is? What he's saying, Lord, is everything I do, I want it to be driven by the fact that I fear you. I don't want to speak a word if it's not driven by the fear of God. I don't want to look upon a person if it's not driven by the fear of God. I don't want to search anything on the internet if it's not driven by the fear of God. Can you see how all of a sudden inconsistency washes away? Hypocrisy is done away with. Casualness is overcome. And so the psalmist's prayer should be our prayer this morning. And imagine, I wonder if we can take a moment this morning to say this prayer to God. God, unite my heart to fear your name. And I guarantee you, when that happens, your life will never be the same. Your relationships will never be the same. Your friendships will never be the same. Your parenting will never be the same. Because unite my heart to fear your name is something that impacts every single area of your life. It has to. It has to. It's a heart-transforming thing. So what is this fear of God? You know, there's lots of definitions about it. Can I give you my definition? And I think, I think this is a very simple, yet I believe accurate definition of the fear of God. It's very, very simple. People will come up with other kinds of definitions. You can go and search them. But I'm going to tell you how, when I think of the fear of God, this is how I think in very lay terms. I think this, God, that he is God and I am not. Listen carefully. That he is God and I am not, and there is no other choice than to obey him without compromise. Do you understand? That he's God and I'm not. And the thought of doing anything else than to obey him without compromise is a very risky thing for me. Because he's God. People use words like reverence. People like use, use words like in awe. And you can take all those things as long as you remember this. He's God and you're not. And to do anything else with compromise is not to have the fear of God because you now all of a sudden have brought the elevation, you brought yourself up somehow, somehow close to God because I'll do it my way now. No, 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 no. He's God, you're not. And it is extremely risky to live outside the fear of God. In fact, do you want to be scared of something? I'll tell you what you can be fearful of, living outside the fear of God. Then you've got a lot to be scared of. A lot to be scared of. The Bible teaches that when we don't have the fear of God and we're not walking in the footsteps of Jesus and we have no relationship with him, there's a lot to be scared of. 
There's a lot to be scared of because the Bible says that the wrath of God abides on those who don't believe. Do you understand that? It hovers, it hovers over those who don't believe. There's a lot to be scared of if we don't have the fear of God. In fact, the Bible also teaches us that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Why? Because the Bible teaches us that he is a consuming fire. So, you say, okay, the fear of God is this. So what I'm saying to you is this. If you don't have the fear of God, it is a very scary thing for you. You should be scared. But, but the fear of God is not being scared of God. The fear of God is understanding that he's God, I'm not, and I have no other choice but to obey him without compromise. In fact, the fear of God begins to understand just how much God loves his people. When you understand the fear of God, you actually begin to be in awe of his love for you. It's not in being scared of him, unless we don't know him unless we choose to disobey him, unless we choose to compromise, then there's a lot to be scared of. Those of you that are familiar with the Chronicles of Narnia, there's an allegory by C.S. Lewis who, who um, has two girls, Susan and Lucy, getting ready, ready to meet Aslan the lion, who represents Christ. And there's two talking animals, Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, who prepared the children for their encounter to meet Aslan, and uh, Susan, one of the girls, says, Oh, I thought he was a man. Thinking, you know, going to meet the king. I thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. The lady says, That you will. Or the beaver says, That you will, dearie, said the beaver. And make no mistake, if there's anyone who can appear before Aslan without their knees knocking, they're either braver than most or just silly. Then isn't he safe, said Lucy? Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Don't you hear what Mrs. Beaver tells you? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. He is the king. I tell you. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. Of course he isn't safe. He's God. But he is good. And when you know him, you know how good he is. This is the fear of God. And the Bible says that when we have this fear, we've got something remarkable called wisdom. This relationship that we have with God brings with it a beautiful promise called wisdom. And Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So to have wisdom in life is to actually know how to live life. But God's wisdom comes because we fear him. Now, so let me give you what I think about wisdom then. What's wisdom? Again, there's lots of understanding about wisdom. There's lots of definitions about wisdom. But can I give you my definition? Very simple, lay terms. Wisdom is this. The understanding and practice of living from God's perspective. The understanding and practice of living from God's perspective. Let me give you an example. The disciples came up to Jesus and said, How many times should I forgive my brother? Seven times? Oh, that's pretty good, isn't it? Some people can't even do that. That's kind of nice. 
Some people struggle even with seven times. It's kind of moralistic. It's good practice to forgive seven times. It's not bad to forgive seven times. If you can do that, go and do that. But Jesus says something beautiful. He says, you know what? I'm going to tell you what wisdom is. When you understand and you practice 70 times seven, that's wisdom. It's the understanding and the practice of living life from God's perspective, who's forever forgiving. Do you understand? Our wisdom, human wisdom, sensual wisdom, limits the things of God. It, it shuts it down. It closes it off. It, 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 it stops it at a certain place. But God's wisdom isn't like that. God's wisdom is heavenly and it's easily entreated and it's full of good fruit. And when we have the fear of God, we have wisdom. Boy, how do we raise a young person in this world today, a world that is going crazy? How does a young person navigate this world from a teenager into adulthood without the wisdom of God? Well, we give them the fear of God. How, do, how does it, a young couple getting married even make sense of their relationship? How do they do that? How do they navigate relationships? Well, the fear of God, the fear of God will give them wisdom to do that. How does a, a young family with little children, how do they guarantee that they're going to be able to bring their children up in a world today that is what it is today? How do they do that? How do they navigate parenting? The wisdom of God that comes through the fear of God. So give someone the fear of God, you give them life. You give them life. So we need to understand what this is. We need to grasp what the Bible is talking about when it talks about this kind of fear of God that promises the wisdom of God. And won't we aspire to people who we know were like this? Don't we aspire to people like Job in the Old Testament where the Bible says he was an upright, blameless man? Why was he an upright, blameless man? Because he feared God and shunned evil. Interesting. We get encouraged by Job. But Job was a man who feared God and hated evil. The two are very linked, and we'll see that soon. And then we get inspired by people like Solomon in the Bible, the people like Solomon who basically had the most wisdom that the people of the East would come from all places to hear him. We get inspired by Solomon too. So by nature, we love the fear of God, and we love wisdom as Christians. Yet we don't talk about it much, and we don't understand it much. So in this passage, in Acts 4, we see two men driven by the fear of God. <laughs> and we see a world who has no idea what the fear of God is. So what do you think they're gonna, you're going to see? You think in this world, you're going to think you're going to see wisdom or you're going to see foolishness? Well, you see these two, two men acting in the fear of God who are acting quite wisely to, to a people who are acting quite foolishly because they have no fear of God. So let's read from verse 8. Peter and John had just been part of an incredible miracle where a lame man was healed. Yeah, Someone who couldn't walk now could walk. And, and to make it harder for, for the leaders of the day, this man that couldn't walk that was now standing was standing next to Peter and John. It's like, oh no, even if we don't like what they're saying, this bloke is kind of here. We can't deny the fact that this guy's walking. Okay? This is where we pick it up. 
And in verse 8, because they asked him what name have you done this miracle by, in verse 8, Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if this day, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, well, let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. So Peter says, you know what? Let me tell you something truthful. If you're wondering how this man was made well, well, let me tell you something. The man you killed, that God raised, is the reason why there's power for this man to be walking today. That doesn't make sense. You killed him, God raised him, and now this man's walking because of him. So it's like Peter sets the scene for them. Let me tell you something about the power and the wisdom of God, Jesus Christ. Isn't this our testimony today? The Jesus that people crucified, that God raised, made you walk today. Made you see today. Made you um, be restored today. Uh, Gave you forgiveness today. Gave you healing today. The same Jesus that was crucified, that God raised, intervened in your life today, that you stand today as a testimony and a witness to the power and to the wisdom of God. So much so that to summarize it, Peter says in verse 12, uh, verse 11, sorry, that this is the stone which was rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone. It's like he's saying this to them. Not a smart idea. Not a smart idea that you rejected him. Because you know the stone you rejected? He became the chief cornerstone. And in ancient days, when they used to build buildings, the chief cornerstone was really important because they'd lay the cornerstone and then everything was a reference point to that. So it became really critical that 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 cornerstone was there so everything else can be built from it. And says, guess what? The stone you rejected, you thought, what's this stone? Became the chief cornerstone in God's eyes. Not a smart choice, guys. And you know, people sit in church every Sunday. It's remarkable. People sit in church every Sunday. People invite friends every Sunday. And they hear about Jesus, the chief cornerstone, and they say, nah, don't want it. Yet it's for them the chief cornerstone of life. It's what should be the reference point to everything else they do if they really want to experience life. Not a smart thing, very foolish. Very foolish to reject, to reject the chief cornerstone. And then he says something remarkable, verse 12. He says, nor is there salvation in any other. For there's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. This is the first step to wisdom. You have to know Jesus Christ. Because God has said this, it's done. I'm giving you no one else but Jesus. And if you reject him, you reject life forever. Because there's no other name under heaven that I've given man 
by which they can be saved. Men and women now come to salvation, come to security, come to forgiveness, come to restoration, come to eternity because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. The Lord that was crucified, God rose from the dead that you could have life today. There's no other name under heaven. Reject him, you reject the chief cornerstone. It's like a man that's taken captive. This is what life is like. A man is taken captive. And he spends all his life trying to escape from captivity. And all his life, he's finding a way to try and escape the very thing that's holding him back. And all along, if he just looked up, there was the key. And he gets to the end of his life... And he's, at the, he's fragile, he's weak, he's tired, he can't get out, he's had enough. And he dies, a fragile, miserable man. And all he had to do was look up and there was the key. Beloved, I'm telling you today, you need to look up. That there's no other name under heaven that God has given by which a man can be saved. And if you're feeling fragile, miserable, down and out, taken by your sin, captive, and you feel in your heart this morning, you know what, I'm sick of how I'm living and I'm sick of the impact I'm having on other people. I've had enough of what I'm doing. I'm not living in the fear of God. Then today I'm telling you, look up. Look up and ask for Jesus to forgive you. Ask for Jesus to have mercy on you and come into relationship with him. And begin to know the wonderful journey of the fear of the Lord. The life-giving journey of the fear of the Lord. Of course, these men weren't happy with that, as often many people are when we preach Christ. These men weren't happy with that. And in uh, verse 13, the Bible says, Now when they had saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized they had been with Jesus. Jesus what's, do you realize what's going on here? They looked at Peter and John and thought, but these guys are pretty bold. Like they're pretty confident guys. But it's like this they're saying to themselves, but they're uneducated. How can they be like this? They're kind of a, a bit simple. How can they be like this? And they realized something. Despite their perceived simplicity and being uneducated men, however the world wants to see you, they'd been with Jesus. They had a relationship with Jesus and they knew the fear of the Lord. They knew what it meant to walk and listen and live life through the understanding of Christ and to put him first and to fear him, live in awe of him, and without compromise, do his will. And all of a sudden, what they spoke was words of wisdom with great power and authority that they were able to be seen as great men with confidence. Oswald Chambers, the Christian author, said this, the remarkable thing about God is that when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you do not fear God, you fear everything else. Verse 14. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could not say anything against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, 
saying, What shall we do to these men? For indeed, that a notable miracle has been done through them is evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But so that it doesn't spread any further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no one or to no man in this name. Not a smart idea. Pretty foolish, I would say. Not wise. Why wasn't it wise? They had no fear of God. And they thought, you know what? I'll tell you how we're going to fix this problem. We're going to threaten them and we're going to say to them, don't ever speak in the name of Jesus again. Completely foolish. There was no fear of God and they thought, you know what? I will do it my way and I'll up the ante and I'll threaten them. I'll put pressure on them. You know, I'll speak harsh to them. Isn't that how people like to deal with their conflicts? There is no wisdom. There is no fear of God. So they become more aggressive. Whereas the Bible says wisdom is this. The soft answer turns away wrath. That's wisdom. You see, there's a lot that God says that man doesn't understand because they try and live by their own understanding. A soft answer turns away wrath. It's remarkable. But the understanding and the practice of this is wisdom. Not a very smart thing. Because what people do, beloved, people think and act in odd ways. Have you noticed that or is it just me? Do you notice that in this world people think and act in very odd ways? On the television, movies, relationships, friendships, conversations. People act, social media. People act and think in very odd ways. Odd ways. They they got very strange behaviors and they got very strange ideas and opinions about relationships, about what's pleasurable in life, how to deal with conflict, how to bring purpose in life. They act in very strange ways. They think very strangely about what relationships should be today. Don't you see that? They they think very strangely about what is pleasurable today and what we do to seek pleasure. Very strange about how to deal with conflict. But the reason they do this is because there's no fear of God. And therefore there's no wisdom. Think about it. A little child comes into the house after playing outside one day. Mum's just cleaned the floor or dad's just cleaned the floor. He comes into the house one day, and one day, that one day, he comes in the house after having cleaned, out, cleaned the floor. He comes in, he gets a high five. He thinks, oh, this is really cool. The next day, he comes in, same scenario, the floor's just been cleaned. He comes in uh, with, uh, after the floor has been cleaned, he gets yelled at. Yesterday, I got a high five. Why do people act inconsistently? Why do people act oddly? Because, listen, the experiences change, not the circumstances, the feelings within us. And so all of a sudden we're driven now not by the fear of God and His wisdom. We're driven about, about how we're feeling at that moment. That's not the fear of God, beloved. That's not the wisdom of God. It's like someone says a joke about you today and you laugh. You just can't help but laugh. You sincerely laugh about the joke they said about you today. Tomorrow they say the same joke and you get really upset. Like, you, like you, you are thinking, how dare they? Same joke, same person. How does that happen? 
because we don't live by the fear of God. We live by our own wisdom. We don't, we're driven by how we feel. If something's righteous, it's righteous. If it's not righteous, it's not righteous. You don't determine it based on the circumstance or, or the feeling of the day. Just because you're having a bad morning doesn't mean the young child should be yelled at. Whereas when you're having a good day, they get a high five. That's not the wisdom of God. And so how do we get people to bring, come to this point? Well, they need to learn the fear of God. Verse 18. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. Now listen carefully to someone driven by the fear of God. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God you judge. But we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Do you understand that? Here's you decide. You decide whether it's more important to listen to God or man, but for us, we can't stop speaking the things that God has shown us. This is what I call the 2020 vision. Nothing else in sight than the fear of God. Why do I say 2020 vision? Something, that, just a little quirky thing that you can remember. Exodus 2020. Exodus 2020. Listen to what it says. And Moses said to the people, Fear not, for God has come to prove you or test you. His fear may be before your faces and that you sin not. Exodus 20.20. Listen to what he says. He tells the people, don't fear. That's strange. Don't fear because God's just come to test you. Don't be afraid of your circumstances. God's come to test you. If you're going through circumstances today that you think, what am I going through this for? God's testing. Don't be afraid. Listen, don't fear, he says. God's doing it so you can fear. So you can have his fear before your face and that you don't sin. Because the fear of the Lord, beloved, leads us to a holy life. Maybe these men, maybe these men had just finished reading Ecclesiastes. Maybe these men had just been finishing studying the words of Solomon who said, let's hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Maybe Peter and John had just been reflecting on that. What's the end of the day, the duty of man? Fear God and keep his commandments. Men and women are called at the end of the day. Their duty is to fear God and to keep his commandments. Maybe they were reflecting on the words of Jesus who said this. Don't fear man who can kill your body but fear God who can put both body and soul in hell. Maybe they had just finished pondering those words and they thought to themselves, who are these men for us to fear them? I'm not going to fear man. In, in fact, we look at that verse sometimes and we look at it as negative, but it's actually very positive. It's life-changing. What it's saying, it's giving us a sense of security. Don't fear man who can, who can only destroy our body, but fear God who can destroy body and soul in hell. That's actually a, that's actually a word of promise. Because it means when you fear God, he's protecting your body and soul. Do you get that? This is what God is calling them to do. And this is what they're being guided by. It puts, 
It puts life into perspective, beloved. When you fear the Lord, you're no longer worried about what, if people are watching you. You want to restore things quicker. You don't say, oh, that problem with that person, I'll deal with it next week. No, because you fear God. You understand? You restore things quicker. You, you, say, you say sorry to someone a whole lot faster. Trust me. You relate better to people and you certainly don't boast in your abilities. So let me just wrap it up. As Christians, it's our call to fear God and live wisely. We should speak about it. We should live it. We should encourage each other to do that. And to fear God, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 8 that to, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. Do you know that? To hate pride, to hate arrogance and the evil way. And when you see someone who fears God, you know one of the things you're going to see in them? Not only are you going to see a love for God, but you're going to see a hate for evil in their own lives and in this world. You're going to see a people who aren't living life by what others think of them, but living life by what God is thinking of them. You're going to see a people who are more concerned about God's reaction to things than man's reaction to things. And you're going to see a people who aren't living life just because someone is with them. They are living life the same regardless of who is with them. This is the fear of the Lord. If you don't have this, you let your guard down and you start to become reckless and relaxed about sin. The fear of the Lord, I'll say it again to you, Proverbs 8, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogance and the evil way. It's going to leave you these last two verses very quickly. You know, this is, this is me just scratching the surface, beloved, on the fear of the Lord. You, you can go and do your own study and you will realize there is a whole stack more that I could have spoken about. But you need to make a decision to live in the fear of the Lord because this is a must. It's life transforming. It's without negotiation. In this relationship you have, you live with the promise of walking wisely, navigating through this world that has lost its way. Living in relationship with one another in a way that is God-honoring because you fear God. You're not worried about what people think of you. You're more concerned about how God sees you and you're living to please him. You're in relationship with him. And when that happens, the fear of God drives me to love you and to be in relationship to you. That I'm not worried if you say something nasty to me. I'm more concerned about how I can submit myself to you. That's the fear of God. The Bible tells us in Ephesians, it says, submitting yourselves one to another. Can you guess what the next thing is? Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Because if you lose the fear of God, one of the first things that will, will leave is the ability to submit to one another. All of a sudden it's like, let's fight. 
But the fear of God drives us to continue to submit to one another. But what did he do to me? What did she do to me? Submit to one another in the fear of God because this is what restores all relationships. You don't have the fear of God, I guarantee you, you don't have the fear of God, your relationship is going to begin to deteriorate from a spiritual perspective. And don't be surprised if it falls away altogether. Oh, it can last. I'm just saying don't be surprised. Submitting to one another in the fear, in the fear of God. And then our relationship with God himself. God has filled our life with promises, hasn't he? So many promises God's given his people. And yet Paul says in Corinthians 2nd, he says this, Having therefore these promises, dear beloved, let's cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and the spirit. Let's go ahead and let's perfect holiness. Can you guess what's coming up? Let's perfect holiness in the fear of God. So not only my relationship with you, but now my relationship with God, the, re- the way I perfect this holiness is in the fear of God. That I can actually come to the place where God wants me to be. He's brought me to a place where he wants me to be. He can continue to restore my soul, strengthen my soul, uh, um, uh, deliver me from the things I feel I'm captive to. He can continue to do these things because I choose daily and consistently to be fearing him. And God says, my child. (laughs) You think God's going to look at me and say, my child, what are you doing? Seriously, get over it. Or is he going to look and say, you're doing this for me? You're living for me without compromise? You're putting me first, understanding that I'm God and you're man? You're coming to me crying out because you realize that without me you can't do anything? You're coming to me with this kind of request? God is going to jump at that. That's what I believe. God's going to jump, embrace you, protect you, and make sure no one touches you until he perfects the work that he wants for you. This is the fear of God. Who doesn't want it? Yet it comes at a cost. Yet the cost is life-giving. I think that's a pretty good exchange if there's such a thing in the Christian vocabulary. This wonderful relationship you have with God that he calls you to himself and says, there's no other name under heaven by which a man can be saved. This is the start of wisdom. And then to know the fear of God and to continue to walk in this wisdom is life-transforming. Is life-transforming. Let me pray for us. Our loving Father, we thank you for Jesus Christ who came to forgive us of our sins. Lord, there's so much in our hearts and lives that we are ashamed of. But when we bring it before you, Lord God, you, you wash away these sins. You wash away our shame. And you make us new. Lord, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to, to fear you. And it's a frightening thing to not fear you. But Father, we come as your people today to walk in the fear of the Lord. To understand that we'll never be you. And that's good. That you're God. And we're not. But that we must come in absolute surrender and obedience without compromise to you. And so, Father, we pray, bless your church. Give us strength 
to walk in the fear of the Lord. Let our hearts rejoice knowing that you are Lord of our lives. Bless your people with mercy and grace, we ask in Jesus' name.